Anlone Dalhoff is a no-nonsense executive coach. Danish-born, now based in Sydney, she spent 20 years working with global organisations. Uh, Anlone and I met as clients uh, originally. Anlone was a client of my St Ives store. Uh, I think I sent you a letter inviting you to an event, which was how we initially connected originally. And uh, following that connection, I actually became a client of yours. So uh, I'm really excited to sit down and talk to you online. Uh, we've known each other a couple of years now. So thank you for, for coming and joining me today and welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I still remember that letter, the letterbox. You don't get many letters anymore. And there it was, like handwritten. You could clearly see it had been copied, but it was handwritten. And I just, I think it had been in a pile. Yes, it had been in a pile. So I missed that warehouse sale because it had been in a pile with the other letters you don't care about opening. The ones from the bank and stuff, because you get it online. And I've tried stopping them, but it doesn't work. So there it was. And I opened it finally in that handwriting. I said, like, this is interesting. I need to talk to that guy. So, so that's uh, the attention you got through your marketing. Yeah, you yeah, know? through sending you a strange handwritten note. Yeah. Yes. I certainly had some interesting um, feedback from that letter campaign that we did. Yeah. <laughs> some uh, some good reactions, yeah. but uh, yeah. So that was the first time that we connected, and yeah. um, and and obviously we started talking. And uh, I think you invited me to an event that yeah. you were running yeah. uh, at the time, and uh, we got together with some other business owners, yeah. and, uh, and kind of things went along from there. Yeah, yeah. but so I guess. You call yourself an executive coach. Would that be a fair summary? Yes, yeah? yes, yes. And it's funny what, what you call yourself. What I do in some ways are magic. And on the other hand, it's a very tangible strategic advice and strong conversations with business owners. Mm -hmm. But there's part of being a coach that takes the best of both worlds, which is what I love. Like you take all your hard skills strategy, numbers, you know, sales, like you take all of these hard skills. And I could teach my clients whatever, and it would never mean any difference if we didn't add the other side. Hmm. You know, that the mindset, the, the, the powerful leadership, how do you make all of these things then happen? And, and who you're being as a person. So executive coach, yes, that's one way of calling it. What is it really we do when, when we work together with clients? Um, it's helping create results. What are the best results we can create for that business in that situation? And that actually takes a lot of um, different skills, mm. not just my business background mm. skills. So is that something that you'd always always thought about doing? I mean, coaching. How nah. did that How did nah. that come about? <laughs> no, nah. never. I was happily working along in corporate. Um, marketing background and moved out here to Australia through the corporate role with my job back then saying to the grandparents as we kidnap our two little girls away from Denmark they're like oh we're just going for three years I'm just doing what I used to do in Scandinavia just doing it for Asia Pacific and off we went um, and we didn't come back for, for many other reasons right I was happy corporate absolutely enjoyed it did it for more than 20 years so it was personal circumstances that mm. actually led me to that shift where I became uh, an accredited coach, came in through life coaching, really learning the mindset skills and, and getting so curious about the behaviours. So that part um, only came later, what was it, six, seven years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I was happy in corporate, um, 
love the challenges, love the big decisions you can make, love the global environment that you meet so many different people and you have massive challenges all the time that mm. you need to solve. So I love that. Never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, business owner um, in our family. We were teachers. <laughs> so I, no, it, it wasn't in the cards that I'd be running my own business. Okay. Um, but that's how it ended up. And today I couldn't see it any other way. You can see how it all led to that. Mm. You know, corporate, yes, it's numbers and results. But for me, it's what always really, really, the most important thing for me was the human potential mm-hmm. for the people. Like how can we make every single one in my team or in the business or in the global, you know, 12,000 people, how can we make every single one do better, be more of themselves, do more? So human potential was potential. always mm. um, what I really, really wanted. Mm. Then we had to deliver some numbers and get some strategies and buy some businesses and mm. do things, but it was really making people work together and how you create results. Okay. That was what I loved. So you grew up in Denmark, yeah. 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 And what was what was life like then? You, what you, were your family were teachers, were they? Yeah. Um, my mum was secretary at the school. Perfect job for her. Like mm. she loved helping people, and you know. But it was that world of like a school world. All mm. our family's friends were teachers. Um, so, especially after now twelve years in Australia, and and I've lived globally and travelled a lot. I get more and more humbled by what I got given and what I took for granted growing up in Denmark. And in what way? In so many ways. So we could do ten hours of that one, but we won't we won't bore bore you all. In in short, for me it comes down to a few things. You might have heard Denmark often sits on the top of the charts of the happiest country in the world. A lot of the Scandinavian countries, Sweden, Denmark. They kind of take and how, how would you? How do you feel about that, that totally. ranking? You I get it. Yeah, you I get it. totally yeah. get it. Totally get it. And it comes down to a few things. It's actually research-based why you're up there at top. One, it's countries without the big distance of people. We have very flat hierarchy in businesses. I say whatever I think. When you say, di- okay, so you don't mean physically distance. You mean like power distance. Yeah, power distance is very low. So if you saw an, an org chart, you know, a, a hierarchy, in Denmark, you'd have the boss and mm-hmm. then you'd have all the employees. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of nearly equal. Maybe a better example is um, at school. So the way you do schooling in Denmark, let's say you are my teacher. I'm the student, I say, hey, hey, Serge, I've got an idea. That's how we would talk, mm. yeah? Hey, I've got an idea. Then you'd say to me, that's great, Angela. What, what could you do with that one? That's teaching in Denmark. When we moved to Australia, and I love Australia, but here it is, I thought we were 20 years back in how you teach people. Australia is the old external system. Where you ranked, it's all of these things. So mm. here it's, good morning, Mrs. Robinson. And no, you can't do that to your hair. It has to be like this. And far, far down comes who you are as an individual, how you learn, what are you curious about? When Denmark, that's at the top. Mm-hmm. So... There's not a big power distance, so everybody can say things to other people. You know, I always said what what I felt needed to be said to CEOs of the businesses I was part of. I didn't care there was they were bosses of twelve thousand people, and that's a very Danish thing. You feel equal. Mm. You feel that you're worth as much as anybody else, and that makes people happy. 
if you see two big distances, differences in, in money and power in a country, you get jealous. So what do you think makes that a Danish trait particularly, that, that it's developed there? It goes back to, the, because I've really looked into it after I came here and what I started realising the difference. It comes down to a few things. It's our schooling system. It's how, it's a lot of the educated people through hundreds of years. How did they create society? Mm. It was based on education. It's, if we teach people things, they can make decisions for themselves. When they can make good decisions for themselves, they'll be happy. So it's, the whole country has been built for hundreds of years on education. Mm. And, and it sounds like I'm for. kind of approaching that, that from a different perspective. Yeah. It's very mm. deep in, in the DNA. And then other things like the taxing system takes care of the rest. Because mm. uh, <laughs> I paid, have a guess, do you know? Which I percentage know. <laughs> of your last earned krona or dollar do you reckon I paid to the tax office? So here you are, congratulations, you got a bonus. Out of that $100, how much did you keep? How much did you give to the tax office? Tell me. Go for it. A number between zero and hundred. Well, it's either a good number or a bad number. <laughs> How much tax did we pay? Fifty percent. Nah, sixty-nine percent. Six-nine. Okay. Nearly seventy percent of that last earned krona, I gave to the tax office, mm. and I only kept thirty. That changes your perspective on a lot of things, um, and I paid it happily, because there's free schooling. You go to uni. That gets paid. Mm. You even get a little allowance every month to help you with living costs. You see how that makes so, everybody equal? Yeah, it sounds like you, you've come happy paying it because you can see that it's being well spent, yes. which is a problem, isn't it? Because most of, most of us who, if we begrudge paying taxes, it's because we feel like the money's being wasted or not spent yes. intelligently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in a way, I realised Denmark is a very socialist country compared to lots of other places in the world because we do want society to work well we do want to support so no one is really falling through the cracks we want everybody to have education because then they're better equipped to, to have a good life mm. so that and many other things i started realizing I've, I've read stuff about it but there are certain criteria for those at the top of the happiness curve um, and this one was just one of them mm. So, yeah, happy childhood, very fortunate. It's a welfare country in so many ways mm. and, and very equal, men, women, high, low. Like, you are just, mm. you're, you're you. We don't need to put labels on each other. Mm. And how connected are you with how things are there now? Is it, is it, has it changed? Is it, is it similar? Of course it's changing, but we're very connected. My husband knows stuff before family in Denmark knows. Like, he's... On the new, like he just knows stuff mm. and finds out stuff. We're very connected, very fortunate. He delivers all sorts of Danish documentaries, TV programs. Um, we watch X Factor, like you know the shows, and so so we know what's going on, and mm. we definitely see over a decade changes and shifts. Mm. Uh, yeah, but still a great place to be. Why did you live in Australia then? Go back there. I hear you all shouting. If you love it so much. <laughs> Go so what? Yeah. So what? So you moved here, obviously, in time. But what kept you here? Uh, my choir, not the weather, not uh, the job, the career. Like um, I sing, I love singing. Always have, mm -hmm. and found an absolutely amazing group of people here. Nearly fifty of us, 
audition choir, so everybody sings at a very high level, but it's just the most amazing people. What we create together, oh, I couldn't see myself finding that anywhere else. Really? Yeah, so mm. that, um, so sorry kids, if you forever <laughs> think we, yeah, it is what it is. The choir yeah. absolutely um, made me realize this is home. And so how did you connect with the choir? Was that something early on when you arrived? Um, yeah, I looked at audition choirs because I've always liked music, arts, you know, has always been second nature to mm. me. Did business studies, but after three years and done my bachelor, I was still up knocking at the door at university, like with music, wondering whether I should do that instead. So it's always been second nature. And as we moved here, it was super tough, like the darkest half year of my life. Like I like the challenge for that first time. What was year. so dark about oh, it? Oh, I can't even start. It was a culture shock that I hadn't mm. seen coming because we love Australians. We've met lots, you know, holidaying in Europe. And we thought we were very equal, relaxed, big sense of humour. But the organisation is set up here was very old-fashioned, the school system. Mm. Like, wherever I turned, I felt I was 20 years behind Scandinavia. So that came as a bit of a... A bit of a shock? <laughs> yeah. So and how anyway. did you adapt to that? Because <sighs> if you're used to speaking yeah. your mind when you, you, you come up against things that, oh. you know, how... How did that go down with oh, the, the not, Aussies? Not well. And I'm tiny. You know, I'm not very tall. I was that little tiny one. They thought I came from head office and just wanted to change everything. I'm like, hey, I just worked in another country like you guys. And so it didn't always go down well. And um, I probably had that often that people underestimate me. Because when you come kind, friendly, with a big smile, and, and your stature is small, they totally underestimate the, the, the power. But it didn't take many seconds really before they sensed that <laughs> they'd made a mistake yeah, some alpha like yeah. give me any alpha male or female you know and yeah. and we'll end up having a good conversation you know not like it doesn't scare me so um so did you have to i guess adapt your way of approaching things yeah. when you, you you settled here yes mm. you do wherever you go whatever new team or group or country or organization you get into you need to be open you need to adapt so how do you do that when you feel like it's less open and trans like if you feel like you could have more frank conversations before to kind of go the other way yeah, would hard. be would be tough and that's that blackness of that half year that, that some of the conflicts and the challenges and what i was up against um made me doubt and and, and i remember vividly we went nearly half a year in and I had started doubting that things that for 40 years had been part of my DNA my values how I believe the world worked and how humans like I was starting to doubt that I thought maybe this just worked in Denmark and Europe and everywhere else I've lived and worked maybe it doesn't work so I, I was very close to um, actually saying look I, I like the challenge but I'm not going to ruin my life Let's get our girls safely back to somewhere where I like how they'll be brought up. Um, but luckily, didn't. There was a few conversations that needed to be had, and, and I so, had those, and, so, and then things changed from there. So things hmm. changed, the culture changed, the, the I think 80% of the management team changed, and then we started a new culture. Does that make sense? Hmm. I couldn't have stayed if it was This is the company my, you were with. Yeah, 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 yeah hmm. the, the corporate. I couldn't have stayed if it had been against my values. Mm. You know, you can do that for a bit. But, but mm, oh, I, I had to be honest with my 
Do you think that helps you as a coach, the fact that, because inevitably if people come to someone wanting coaching in any aspect, they're looking to improve something they're not happy with. And the fact that you kind of had this world that you felt you knew and it was kind of all, you have a picture of yourself and, and how you fit into the world. And when that's not working like you expected to, it can be quite confronting. Absolutely. I imagine that gives you a good perspective for when you're working with people, you kind of know where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And when you said that, it, it reminded me that I couldn't have been a coach. You know, the first 30 years of my life, I was just happy. <laughs> I was just happy, full steam, you know, like, let's do this, like, so energizing. And, and that's a good thing, right? But I, I hadn't, I was very fortunate. I hadn't experienced, you know, big traumas or, or big difficulties. And I know people that know me well, and they're like, what about that and that? Like for other people, that probably would have been, I didn't see it as that. Does that make They weren't sense? enough to knock you off Whatever course. Whatever challenges I had had, I had kind of stayed in that positive can do and everybody can do if they just want to mindset. Mm. But I think having um, children, <laughs> you know, like having children changes you and knocks of life changed me as well so I think I've been fortunate enough to see enough heartache and, and pain and all these other things where it's not easy that today I can be a coach mm. because I know the pain I don't jump into the boat with a client there's no need for that that doesn't mm. help anybody but I resonate I know what it feels like and if they're ready to get out of it let's do it so how did having kids change you you did not like it every possible. You have kids, tell me. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has it changed you at all? It definitely, yeah, yeah. Before that, it was very easy for it to just be about yourself. I was a, a, a narcissist, like a smiling, very kind, <laughs> very kind, you know, with the whole schooling background, the teacher hmm. background. I was a kind person. But I was a narcissist. Like, I knew what I wanted and I got my way. Um, it might be lots of dialogue and conversation, yeah? But mm. I got my way. So what kids show me that it's not just about you anymore. And it's not so easy to get your way. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Even when you know some of the tricks of uh, negotiating. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's been a massive gift. Mm. You know, what kids teach us... Um, lots of flexibility and as well where you need to set boundaries and where things are like that's it that's too much you're mm. pushing me too hard and so mm. um, it's very raw with mm. the people you know best you know and if i had no kids and had stayed in corporate i could have kept everything at an arm's length does that make sense mm. like it would be easy to run the world because you just keep it a meter away from you and it will never really touch you and you will never really be touched by it. And kids change as well. Mm. Sounds like it gave you quite a different perspective. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But I'm so happy. Like today, mm. it would be a one-dimensional world. And, and I think the, the reason I can help my clients make massive shifts in their leadership, in their mindset, in, in their business results, is because of that. Mm. Back to the hard and soft skills. Um, I... I I really know, and so the empathy, the, all of these things have been built enormously. 
we have in kids and teams. It's a bit the same mm. sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> running yeah. businesses and running a family. Yeah. yeah. And so when you, you, I mean, you're, so you're in a, a corporate environment. You've been there for a long while. That was kind of your, your home, home space. Obviously, you've worked in different businesses and with lots of different people. Do you remember at what point you thought, maybe I want to go in a different direction? You have stick and carrot people. And I've always been a carrot person. Like, show me something interesting or something curious. That's how I love education. I love learning new things. Some people are stick people, you know, get me well into a corner somewhere and I feel the pain and then I'll, then I'll do change. It. And, right. and there's no right or wrong. Totally judgment free. We're just different. I was always a carrot person. And in that sense, I was happy because there was always new carrots, new challenges, new things to do. So there was never that point, I need to get out of this. Mm. It was more the coaching that suddenly opened totally new world. And I got certified and I started my business on the side. Had you had a coach before? Like, have you experienced? Um, it was part of, so our um, oldest daughter went through some really challenging years and she got helped by a life coach. Yeah, so I'd had coaches and I had so much personal development stuff through corporate. Mm -hmm. Really fortunate to have leadership development and all of this. But that was the first time I saw a personal coach working with an individual. It wasn't like business focused. Exactly. Where it worked with an individual and create massive change overnight. Like within a split second, you can change something. You thought so ingrained. So, mm -hmm. so that experience of the personal coach. That definitely, I made a little note to self, when we're out of the woods here, mm. must look into this. This, this is interesting. <laughs> this, yeah. this shit works, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was curiosity that mm. took me from corporate into it. And, and of course, I got certified at the highest level I could have had, like, still as ambitious with everything I do, right? But got certified. And then I, of course, started bringing and, and had full support by my GM back then, you know, of, of starting coaching on the side. So mornings, evenings, coaching leaders, people in Scandinavia and Australia, running workshops on the weekends, um, and breaking all of those tools back into the teams, back into corporate. Because I realized, wow, we can change things that fast. We don't need another strategy plan or another three years. Mm. Let's just make a change right now. So I combined the best of, of the two so worlds. You did both for, for a while. And how did you first start getting clients when you first first began the coaching? Um, through my network. Yeah. In short, through So you would network. talk about what you were doing yeah. or how did how did people know? Yeah, yeah, talked about what I was mm. doing, became part of a business network um, mm. that I'm still part of as well, where you every week, you know, turn off other business owners, you talk about what you do. Mm. It's mm. a really old fashioned word of mouth. Mm. And little by little. Yeah. Step by step. And at what point did you decide to, to say, you know, this is what I want to do full time? Oh, I knew that first second. The, the really? first coaching session I'd had, and it was, I think that would have been before it was even paid, like the first pro bono coaching session. I was home alone, and I knew the one girlfriend in Denmark that would just understand this and celebrate with me. After I'd finished that session, I just called her, and we were jumping up and down for just... I don't know how long. I knew that second. Yeah. It was the right yeah. right thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't get emotional. Yeah. Isn't that fantastic? 
This is like six, seven years ago. Yeah. Mm. And what is it when you like? What What does that bring back? The, oh, the ability to help someone change. Mm. I think it's so hard. We struggle a lifetime. Our business struggles. Like things are hard. It doesn't have to be. And that links in with my forty years of happiness. Does mm. that make sense? Mm. Like it can be happy. It can be societies that work well. We can pay tax and be happy. Like all of these things that are normally oppositions. And and that's what I do now. Let's create results and joy. If you just want results, I know lots of great business coaches you can go to. If you just want joy, I know lots of great life coaches. If you want results and joy, let's talk. Hmm. So I think that, what do you call it? Dichotomy? What do you call that in English? Like that, the, the, the black and the white, the, these contrasts is what really... I think that's what's unique for me and, and mm. in, in how I work. Yeah. And I lost my train of thought where we started this one, but it wasn't that, how did you know, like that first moment. Um, and it was because change could be done. Change mm. was so available to all of us right here. If, if you give that right presence, you're curious about things don't judge and that's so easy for me it comes so natural for me to not put labels on or judge i just see it really curiously the presence get curious and then ask some challenging questions and i've always been a good one for that as well yeah, like you know? yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing yeah. you know the things nobody else dares asking you and mm. it's a closed room and we're not you know recording or sending it out in 10 copies to all your staff or someone else right so it's just those challenging questions that sometimes we need to just say out loud. It's in there anyway. It's running loops in your head anyway, so let's just get it out. Mm. So um, that's what amazed me that first second. Change is possible, and it's actually easy. And we can even laugh and have fun while we're doing it. Like, who wouldn't do that for a living and, and help other people that it's not a an issue? Oh, no, I need to go to my business coach. It, it, no. Okay, it might be challenging, but I know I'll walk out of there better. Hmm. Whether it's improved strategies or sales steps or a mindset, I know exactly how to deal with a situation. Whatever it is, I'll walk out of there in a better state. What makes it so hard, do you think, for people to not be able to do that on their own? I think. All the patterns, all the things we've loaded up, like the Fast forward, go into Google, all of this personal development stuff. You know, age zero to seven, we create most of the beliefs we live with the rest of our lives. We look at the big people around us. We look at, you know, start school. We listen to all of these role models. Mm. And some are great and some are not. And everybody means well. All as parents, we know we're doing the best we possibly can with whatever resources we have. And so has everybody done for generations and generations. We're doing the best we can with the resources we have. But zero to seven years of age, so many beliefs are carved into our brain. And they stay there. You don't think you can change them. You do, like That's just how I think. This is how I react to things. Where our phones, how often do we update that software? Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 14 point whatever we're at now. <laughs> if we looked and thought and felt about our brains the same way it wouldn't be hard for any of us mm. but we've 
feel that whatever the story has been, whatever our usual way of doing or thinking, or, oh, I'm so stupid, or I'm so this and this, we have just put labels on ourselves, and that keeps us stuck. Hmm. So, do you find when people start to question those and reevaluate, does that, I mean, that could make people very uncomfortable, I imagine, because if that kind of def- what is what defines you, it's a little bit scary sometimes to let that go. Yeah. And that's why we don't do it ourselves. Does that make hmm. sense back to your question? Because when we, it's like going to the gym. If you start a new exercise or you put extra kilo on, it, like, it doesn't feel comfortable. You know, so you probably walk away if you didn't have an instructor like, no, no, keep going, hmm. 10, 11, 12. So naturally, we want to stay in the comfort zone. And that's why we don't change. Hmm. If we don't have inspiration or back to character stick to change, we'll just stay in the comfort zone. That's much easier. I might hate my life. My business is not doing well, but at least I know what to expect. Hmm. So yes, it can be a bit confronting, but um, I trust that the way we do it, it, it you know, you realize, wow, is all of this available to me? Okay, I need to let go of that, and it feels very safe because I've known it for so long, but oh, is all of that available? And I think that's enough say, okay, let's do it. Mm. And, and it's one bit at a time, right? It's not, welcome, and you walk out of here and the whole software was changed. You know, you take whatever you're ready for. Takes time. Mm. Do you find that people need to be at a certain point when they're, you know, they come to see you for coaching or, or training in some way? Do they have to be at a certain point where they can actually make those changes? Yeah, yeah. And it's not just me, it's, any coach, it's anything, you need to be ready for change. Mm. That's the only thing, ready for change. We're all different, as I say, some needs to feel a lot of pain before they're ready. Some are just like, ah, oh, this could be better. Let me get some new inspiration. So, so that, in that sense, no. Mm. People don't need to be a certain, are you not at seven out of 10 pain yet? Then don't call me. It doesn't work like that because we're all different. Mm. So the only thing that's very clear is you need to be ready for change. If you even have that little inkling, that little, you know, butterflies or that sense in your fingertips, ooh, there's something here, that's enough. Mm. Like that sense of, yeah, I'm ready for a change. That's all it takes. And so we've just been through COVID and, well, we're still going <laughs> through it, wherever it may end up, but Certainly the last 12 months have, have seen a lot of big changes for, for people and how they live and work and so many aspects of their lives. When you look at people that you see that have kind of managed that and navigated that well, because there are people who, who seem to, compared to those that, that don't, what are the ones that, are, that have, have kind of managed this within themselves well? What, are, what do they do? How, how, how have they been able to do that? Hasn't it been crazy? You know, I have the one word last year for 2020, whenever people listen to this, um, unpredictable. Because yes, there were great things, mm. and there were really bad things, but it was unpredictable. So whether people did well or not depends on how adaptable they are to change. That's it. Because there's just so much change that normally you can kind of, no, 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 I'll just stay with 
you know, my walk on Mondays and don't like, but last year, no one could, like, there was change for, for everyone. Whether you liked it or not. Yeah. Totally. Mm. So how you deal with change is how well you did last year. Some would have loved it because everything was different every day. New challenge. Hey, hey, how do we do this? Um, yeah. So is that so, a bit so to change? But, and then one, sorry, one more thing. When you asked the question, one more thing came up for me. I think one thing I learned even more, and I think lots of us and, and societies learned through this crisis was acceptance. Because there's change and then there's acceptance. So accepting what is, that yeah, I hadn't planned it to be this way and oh, I really would have liked and fill in all of these things. But getting to acceptance quite quickly is a massive factor. What makes that so important? And this links to, to life coaching because the difference to life coaching and many other um, ways of helping people is life coaching, you put a line in the sand right now, today, Look at the watch, you know, you put a line in the sand. Whatever happened before that, it is what it is. Right now in this moment, how would you like things to be? This is such a classic life coach, like this is the whole premises of, of life coaching. How would you like things to be? What's one thing you can do right now, given that it is what it is? So acceptance is that line in the sand. Can you see that? Every little moment of the day or every challenge we have. Acceptance. The quicker we can get to that line in the sand, okay, that was so annoying how they dealt with or whatever happens. It's always external factors. What countries or politicians or team members or kids or partners do to us, right? Mm. We are the poor victims of this. The faster we get to line in the sand, accept it is what it is. In this moment, I've got a choice. What's one thing I can do? So I really hope that a lot of people um, taught that to themselves, to others. Let's accept whatever we can't change. Yeah, mm. and for those things, we can. They might. It might not be a bigger canvas as it used to be, with that little ten times ten centimeter canvas you have now. Maybe. What do you want to paint? What do you want to put on? Mm. What if you're not sure where to start? With one step, whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Does not matter which step. Take so one. What's, what is so important? I mean, does, you're saying it doesn't really matter what, what you do. It's just doing something. That's it. Yeah. Because our ego is in our, it's all the voices in our head all the time. We all have them. Very mm. normal. Bands, orchestras, they, they are hilarious sometimes, those voices. And pretty annoying too. But that's our ego. And the ego just wants you to stay in that couch and stay really safe and do nothing. So the way you scratch that record is doing one thing. Get up and go and get a tea. Or call one person. Or shift the situation. Do one thing. That's the first step. And it sounds like you're saying a physical thing. It's like, don't just think about doing something. It's physically do something. Very often, physical is the easiest way, and we have, because we're so clever, we're so smart, all of us these days, we forget that we have a body, mm. we forget that we're connected, or we're supposed to be connected, head, heart, gut, feel, body, we're totally forgotten. So, we stay in our head, and it just gets harder and harder, and we loop a bit more. So, yes, 
do one physical thing is a great way of getting out of your head and back into your body. We're quite clever when we combine all the resources we mm. have, not just stay in the head. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, do one step. It doesn't matter which one. And, and you might have um, heard this. It, it's a nature. Nature's got so many um, great examples for us. Have you ever actually seen the mother duck? You, you know that saying, when the ducks line up, yeah, yeah you get know? your ducks in a row. Yes. Get your ducks in a row. Yeah. When the ducks line up, yeah. insert here the thing that you'd like mm. to do. Do you know what actually happens? In, in, in nature, ducklings everywhere, like just messy. They're doing whatever. They're all over the place, right? It is not mother duck putting a strategy plan or telling them, now get in a row. Now do this. Do yeah. this. Yeah. One, two, three, four, do this. And then they do it now. It's all messy. Mother duck takes the first step in one direction. They line up. So she just starts moving. She just starts moving. I love that. Mm. It's a metaphor, it's an image. And we all know if we sit there and just think a bit more, we'll discuss a bit more. Like one action. Mm. Take one step. It doesn't matter which direction. Does that make sense? Mother duck mm. can after a few steps, like, oh, I think I need to go a bit right here. direction, yeah. yeah. But if you're still back there, like, oh, don't be messy. Mm. Like, you're getting nowhere. Well, they say actions speak louder than words. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's what frustrated a lot of us last year. We, were, we couldn't do the actions we were used to doing. Mm. And then you ended up maybe giving up. So we had to be creative and find new actions, new ways of doing Hmm. Yeah, and for some people, that was really difficult because they weren't able to get out. They couldn't connect physically with people how they would like to. Um, if you don't have a lot of other options, if you're stuck at home, it's all these physical things can get challenging. Yeah. How do you? How can you manage that when uh, maybe you, you do have to stay at home, uh, like many people have had to over the last few months. Yeah, I think we saw so many wonderful examples of how people did this. Because, yes, it could have driven all of us totally mad, being mm. with the same people, same four walls. Um, so, yeah, do, do what you can. If it's movement, then move within your walls. Like for those of us who are allowed to get out, find different ways. Um, do it on your own. Do it at a distance with other people. Mm. Singing, as I love was it's one of the most dangerous things because we breathe so much when we sing, breathe out so much. So um, that was totally not allowed in, in any way. So you have to get really creative um, and find safe and different ways of doing it. So how does a choir continue when you can't get together and sing? It is hard. It's hard. And I think it's the same that lots of things would have stopped last year and they may not start again because mm. people simply lost that mojo or lost the reason why. Um, so we went on Zoom. Um, poor conductor, <laughs> you know, was there singing and instructing, rehearsing with all 50 of us. Didn't get anything back. You know, as a teacher, mm. like that feedback from others is what really drives you and you know whether you're on point, whether mm. you've lost them or... Mm. So with no feedback at all, just there taking you through things. And you are in an office, in a bedroom, wherever, singing, and the neighbours are like, it's just not good, it's not good. And you don't move. Normally, it's a very physical thing. Um, 
you know, you get apps by singing because mm. you actually, it's breathing, it's physical work. And, and you move, I, I sing rhythmical stuff, so you move at the same time. So it's got all of these aspects. And here we were sitting in chairs, singing into a screen. Into a computer. So uh, anyway, we survive. Mm. We stuck together. You do a few other social things that you're allowed to do to keep the connections going. Um, and then this Thursday, it's a big week. This week, a lot of things I love are back in person. Like how lucky are we here mm. compared to many other places in the world right now? So we're back singing, but it will be in a car park. It's an undercover car park of someone's business. Out, outside. Outside. Yeah. We will be bringing each our chairs, a little camping lamp for <laughs> your forehead. <laughs> Mosquito spray, maybe. But we will be singing. And we might be behind our ma- mouth, you know, <laughs> fast. But we will be singing. And Brilliant. there's no Zoom. And I love the, the, the leadership mm. in, in that group for that decision. Mm. No more Zoom. No more Zoom. No more Zoom. Mm. What is it about the singing that is still like something you're hungering for? Yeah, it was almost raised my plan B. In corporate, you need a plan B any day you can walk in, and you're like, thank you and goodbye. <laughs> you know, so you need a plan B. And mine was always, I wanted to be a jazz singer. You know, um, I just hadn't smoken and I hadn't drunk enough. Like, you kind of need those two things. Yeah, your life hasn't been hard enough, voice. I don't think. Yeah, it's like you've got to have a few more rough yeah. years than yeah, being exactly. a jazz singer, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, it was a good plan B. Um, what is it about music? It's always been there. It lights me up. It, it, it's my energy. I think everywhere else in life and business, I give. I give focus. I give energy. I give input. I give awareness. I give questions. You know, music um, I receive. It's where I get my energy. And um, doing it with others is just absolutely wonderful. You can create things you could never have done mm. um, yourself. Mm. But it's a family trait. All of my family, there was always music right from the start. And, and funny enough, um, a lot of my clients, often I only realize down the track, but I end up realizing that they have played an instrument, they have been in the arts at quite a high level. Um, so there's something that resonance in you use your left and right brain, left and right hand. Um, you can do big thinking, big picture, and you can things done so um yeah so i think it's actually all linked at the end of it with my passion and love for what music does for us with us within us between us um is totally how humans could work as well if we allowed it if Mm. we weren't so rigid on labels and structures and how we should interact let's make it more of a dance a song create some music together What, what if businesses followed that philosophy Instead of look at page 43 in the manual, and this is how you should answer. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. How, I mean, music has been, it's, it's a big part of most cultures, isn't it? Mm. Um, it's a really important part, yet in most workplaces, it's not. And you think, well, you're in the workplace, you're trying to bring people together, get them to work together, unite them, put them in a good mood. And very often music is, is not even really thought of. And it would be frowned upon. Mm. Like, like you would be seen as quite out there if you're like, okay, bring your instruments or mm. let's do a jam session Friday afternoons while we have the drink. You know, it, it's as if corporate, it's a total misconception that we need to stay in our heads. Bring only your head for work, please. Like if we could separate head and body, corporates would just have you bring the head. The rest could stay at home. Such a big mistake. Like bring all of you, but people are very afraid. 
to do it because mm. then we're all unique. You can't put people in boxes. Every single one of us is different. When you really come as you and bring even more you, it's very difficult to manage in boxes. What makes that so hard? Which part? Well, like you said, that often you find out that your clients are musicians themselves, um, but that's not something that comes up initially. So it's something that, not that people keep it secret, but they're not, they're, they're, there's things we all hold back from, our, from each other that you, you don't learn sometimes until you've known someone for quite a while. Yeah. But um, it seems like if people are able to open up a little bit more and be a bit more open with those things, that they get a lot more out of yeah. relationships, whether it's work or personal or, or any, 100%, anything. 100%. Be a bit more vulnerable slash daring slash open, whatever you call it. Share a bit of you. Share a bit who you are. Don't be so afraid. But it's back to us. I say schooling system takes that out of us. Like we need to be like the others. Uniform in Denmark, you don't have uniforms. Like get in the uniform so you look like everybody else. No, be allowed to wear whatever you like to wear to express you. So, so can you like mm. very early in society in all countries, we kind of start being put into boxes. Being put in, you be, you're putting yeah. your place. Yeah, mm. and therefore you don't think it's relevant to talk about all the other things mm. you love doing because you might seem really weird. Where I love nerds, I love unique people. Like I think our whole choir of 50 people are just one awesome nerd after the other in very different fields we do very different things for a living mm. um but you're unique like you're, you bring so much of you in whatever you do i think that's that's a world that i would love to so how does someone who doesn't who's not used to being that open and you know, has not had anyone support them in that and um, has had other people putting them in their place maybe their whole life how do you, how does someone start to kind of Get new friends. Get new friends, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, but seriously, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So look around you right now. This is a scary moment right here on live podcasting. Right now, think of the five people, and especially COVID, because it might have been the same five all year. <laughs> look at the five people you spent the most time with. You'll end up being the average of them. So if you're surrounded through family, friends, partners, work colleagues with naysayers or people who just put you down and close the box, it will never change. And it's not that we need to suddenly, mum, I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> I love my mum, but there you go. Like it's not, we don't need to close off any relationships, but start adding new people into your circle mm. that somehow are just kinder or resonate with where you'd like to be. Which kind of conversations would you like more of? Aim for these people. And it's got nothing to do with extrovert, introvert. Like you could be super introverted and this totally applies. But it's finding that one person that you have deep, meaningful conversations with. And then just spend more time with them. That's how it starts. Again, one step at a time. Um, but look at those people that bring that out in you. And then you don't need to send away your partners, kids, <laughs> family, but just be really aware. They might not be a great influence. Then you must become the change. And as you start changing, guess what? They suddenly got new inspiration in their group of fives. Does this make sense? You're mm. now allowing them to be different as well. Because often it is family. They're, yeah. they're, they're often one of the biggest negative impacts 
or influences on people, and then I got you, you can't always move away. You know, it's um, yeah. back to acceptance. So we talked about before that part. Accept it is what it is, and then you change you. Most people come to me and really want to change their, their staff or their you know results. All of these external things, and at the end of the day, as we start changing our beliefs, our mindset, the way we talk, speak, how we focus, everything else changes. Mm. So accept family, friends, whatever you have right now, accept it. It's awesome. Like it is exactly as it can be right now. Line in the sand. And then just start getting curious or, or looking for those, mm, I would like to start eating or I would actually love doing Whatever it is, start mm. looking yeah, for you those can find someone that new. light yeah. you up, mm. people or interests um, that light you up. So often a good one is hobby, start a new hobby, because often you meet new kind of people that are resonate. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you, you're starting to mix with people that you've got a common interest, Yeah. and it's giving you more options, other options. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's easy, because if you go every Thursday like we do singing, you don't need to take any action. Mm. You know, you don't need to, oh, I should call someone, oh, no, I'm too tired. You just go because you have to go every Thursday. So in that sense, hobbies are great if you have a structure around them because it kind of forces you those days where it's not comfortable. And when you're there, you love it. You're so happy, you know. Mm. So those times when you, you maybe don't feel like going, where it's, if you do something by yourself, it's easy to go, I won't go here, I won't go to the gym, I won't do that today. But when you know there's a group there that you've committed to, there's a bit of more motivation there. Yeah. Back to that accountability mm. that a coach helped you as well. Why can't you do it on your own? You can, absolutely. Mm. You can do all of this on your own. It might just take longer. Mm. And there'll be a few more pitfalls because you don't have someone else. And that's the same with a group of people. They will go, oh, come on, come on, yeah, it'll be great. Or when you really can't go, when you're really ill, they miss you. Like, is that feeling that you matter? What is it that makes it so hard? Like sometimes you just feel, don't feel like doing something, but then you go and you enjoy it. And you're like, oh, I'm so glad I came. You're like, well, what, what was stopping me before? Yeah, it's a brilliant question. It, it is that comfort zone. It's that, yeah, we think it's easier, but it's not because mm. we're just painting ourselves further and further into a corner. Do you think we're designed to just seek comfort? Yeah. Comfort, safety. Even if it's not always good for us. People will rather stay in relationships. They'll rather keep employees on. That's squeaky wheel. They're pulling out their hair every day. But, but they are waiting so long before they exit someone or leave a relationship. Rather have the comfort and you know the pain mm. than the risk of not knowing the new thing. Mm. So, um, yeah, we are comfort and, and stay in a safe group and look like the others and all of those things. It makes you, it, look at the animal. You know, you might not be hunted down if you're just with a group and you look like together. them, stick yeah. together. Mm. Um, so there's a great safety in it, but then we need to have groups where we can then be crazy. Mm. So <laughs> that group of animals right now you see running across the savannah and one of them doing boogie and, you know, <laughs> it's that kind of thing we need to create. So safety in the group, we support each other. We help each other be safe, but allow each other to be unique. So it sounds like the groups you choose are really important. Yeah. Like you said, that's the, the people you hang out with, whether it's your family, your yeah. friends, your work, yeah. they're going to rub off on you whether you, yeah. you like it or not. Yeah. So choose them wisely. There you go. Yeah. 
Yeah. And as you say that, I realize I just had glimpses of all of these things through my 50 years. You know, I've been very wise. And that comes back to the narcissist, right? That I mm. knew it mattered for my survival, myself, to choose the right people around me. Mm. So I've always chosen. And, and that dark first half year here, where the organizational culture was definitely not a good one, either I would have left it or enough changed um, that I could start impacting that one. Mm. Yeah, it's back to your street at home. It's like, go in there actively with an open heart, with kindness, with some action. It doesn't take a lot to, to start changing all of these communities and circles we're part of. Mm. It sounds like you're just saying that it's important, like, it's not whether it's selfish or not, it's recognizing that you have to choose the right environment because the, the, the consequences of not are going to be far worse for you and probably no good for whoever it is that you're hanging around either. That's it. That's it. Healthy selfishness. Mm. Absolutely promote that any day of the year. Because often people feel like, oh, well, this person's been my friend or we've known each other for so long. The idea of kind of, you know, moving on from, the, from someone is very difficult. Yeah. And you don't have to move on. That's the great deal, except, but get really aware that that relationship is what it is. This is what I can expect. Don't expect more than what you can get, because then that relationship might be great for a beer every Saturday or every month. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to walk away from it, but just be really realistic and accept what it is and what it gives both of you, and then start choosing these new ones. Because mm. then it becomes easier that you suddenly like, oh, do you know what? And then just, like, be honest, you don't need to tell people, I don't want to hang out with you because you're pulling me down. Mm. You know, you just start having other alternatives and suddenly you'll realise how much energy you get from these other things. It becomes easier to say, do you know what? Like, you know, there's so much going on. I love catching up, but maybe it's only every half year and that's okay. Like, is that okay with you? Mm. You Be respectful. Like, don't don't be a jerk. Mm. And be, be conscious of it. And so with, I guess uh, we're in the beginning of a new year or early into a, a new year and things are starting to open up again for how long, who knows. <laughs> but um, have you seen a shift in the way that you're kind of approaching your business and the way you work with people now or do you, do you have like a different focus on that? I saw a shift last year. So, so I definitely saw a shift in accepting more myself of what is, you know, before that I thought I could change the world. I could change everything. Is there a global crisis? I can fix it. <laughs> so I think that acceptance, um, I'll let go of, I don't need to fix. <laughs> you know, There's nothing to be fixed. Mm. Um, so that accepting and um, that was a change. But how I run my business, totally the same. I know the structures. I know what works. So I'm continuing what works well. Mm. Um, And for me, it is reaching out. It is meeting people. It's being curious. It's adding massive value to their situation. Whether you just met in the supermarket down the street in a business conversation, like just add massive value. So in a way, nothing has changed. And the methods and ways we get to connect are just coming back to more of what I knew a year ago. Mm. You wrote something recently that I liked that um, I think 
you titled it from wonky to wonderful. Uh, you said there's no symmetry in nature. And I thought that was interesting because like we've been talking about, we're often seeking things to be perfectly more aligned, more particularly in business. Um, but even in life, you think you just want things to be more the way you want them. But when you actually look in nature, even the most perfect of things are not... Yeah, that's it. I love wonky. I love odd. You know, and, and I, I can't remember part of that one was my own face. You know, one eye is bigger than the other and all of this stuff. And, and you can be annoyed at it or you can just like, well, <laughs> that's it. That's awesome. If it's so picture perfect, you probably don't even see it. You, know, you just glare over it. So I love wonky, I love nerds, I love uniqueness, I love everything that's surprising both for ourselves and for others. Hmm. Because that was just one more little thing we dared showing all the potential we have. So yeah, so let's celebrate wonky. Wonky. <laughs> let's go wonky. I like it. <laughs> Reminds me of a song my kids used to sing, something about a wonky donkey. I can't exactly remember it as an Aussie guy had this recording. Um, I'll have to go and look yeah. it up tonight when I get home. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, how can people connect with you, Anne Lone, if, uh, if they're interested? Social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, absolutely reach out. Um, the website's are joyhearts.com.au. And yes, um, I've been asked often, you can't have a name, Joy Hearts, and you're a business coach. It's like, great, because that's exactly the point. You know, let's bring joy in and get some results. So joyhearts.com.au. Um, yeah. And on Anyone Facebook, what's there? what's your Facebook? Uh... So it's Anne Lone. Well, that's the Danish thing, right? A-N-N-L-O-N-E. Anne Lone, Dalhoff. D-A-L-H-O-F-F. Fred. And you had, when I first connected with you, you were sometimes running group events and different things. Obviously, with some of the restrictions that's a bit more challenging is that something that you you still do or you're looking to yes, do yes. yeah so we went yeah. online for, for a lot of these workshops and events uh, but definitely bringing it back um, mm. and because um, sometimes people are a bit in tip they don't necessarily want to come and have a one-on-one -on -one thing they're like well maybe i want to come check you out and understand who it is you know exactly. maybe how i could you can help me exactly so just come along mm. to some of the events catch up and, and if it resonates let's talk more mm. along to a half day thing mm. yeah you're right the one-on-one -on -one can be a bit confronting not everybody is ready for you know direct lots of people mm. are because mm. they know we create massive change mm. really fast but love to hang out so definitely join the events and as i say that um business network i'm part of bni you might have heard of it it's a weekly thing like come along there as a visitor if you're a business owner come along and see how we run these things it's there's always inspiration and it's just a way of seeing each other in action mm -hmm. which says a lot more than words on a web page yeah yeah so yeah, it would be great. I'm curious. Can't wait. And, and that's it. The curiosity of who will I meet this year? Yeah. What are the new things that will happen? And, and love all the clients that I'm still working with. And who are the new ones? You know, at the end of the year, we'll have created things together that we hadn't seen coming. Mm. That, that excites me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's definitely going to be an interesting year ahead. Yeah. yeah. Let's make it that. Well, thank you. It's been really good to talk. It's been good to catch up again. So thank you for coming in. I really appreciate your time. Likewise. Thank you so much for asking. Loved it and loved how you do everything about your business.